Well, good morning. My name is Alan. I'm the Connections and Outreach Pastor here, in case you don't know me. And uh, I'm excited I get to share this message today on Take Courage. In fact, if you're taking notes, I encourage you to do that in your bulletin. The big idea is Take Courage. Before we do that, I want to honor some people here in our body and uh, I want to honor our veterans. How many know this is our uh, Veterans Day weekend? So veterans, if you're here, would you please stand? If you have either served or are currently serving in the military, please stand. Yes. Hallelujah. We honor you. We thank you. And remain standing real quick. Family, will you extend a hand? I want to pray for our veterans here today. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for this moment. Lord, these men and women who have given of their time, their service, and at the risk of their own life, God, to protect country and home and family, and Lord, we honor them, God. We thank you for them. And Lord, we ask for a favor that touches their home, their finances, their business, businesses, their work, their children, their children's children, children, in the name of Jesus. And everybody said... Amen, amen. You can be seated. Hey, uh, veterans, we just want you to know we have a security team here, and they are so excited. They have a table out here at the Jumbrella, and they have a gift for you. Go pick that up at the end of service. Um, go by that table. They want to bless you. It's our way of saying, you know what? Here at CP, we love our veterans. So it was many years ago, and I was... Uh, I was a, a, a new pastor, a new preacher, I should say, I was asked to come and, and share at a conference in San Diego. So I went down there, and it was three nights, three nights, and it was called Night of Fire. And it was about, it was about inviting the fire of the presence of the Holy Spirit into the service that people would get healed, touched, and delivered. And it was, it was good. There was about 800 or so people each night, and uh, I was the, the speaker at the nighttime rallies, so uh, I, I get up there and I start sharing this message after the worship, and, and God seems to be moving, and all of a sudden, um, God interrupts my train of thought, and I begin to have this conversation with God, and, and all the while, words are coming out of my mouth as I'm speaking to the people out there, and God's saying, Alan, I want you to stop the service. I'm going, what? Alan, stop the service. And so I, I, I begin to have this conversation, and, and I say, but God, why? I'm, I'm in the middle of something right now. And God says, because there's someone here I want to heal. Right now, God? Can it wait till the end? No, I want to do it right now. I don't question God's reasons or whys or what he does. I just, uh, I try to discover as best I can, but sometimes you just got to be obedient. So I stopped the service, and I said, hey, guys, this is going to seem really weird, um, but I need to pray for someone, and, and God is telling me that there's someone here that is blind, and, and, and God wants to heal you. And so I stood there, and I waited. Exact same thing happened there. <laughs> Nobody stood up. And so I'm, I, I'm standing there, and I, I, I give the invitation again. Hey, um, really, I, I want to pray for you. I'm believing God's going to do something. God doesn't interrupt me for no reason, and nobody stood up. And so I'm standing there, and I'm going, okay, now I'm just looking foolish. Now what do I do? I mean, I just said that God spoke to me. I mean, that's, that's weird. Do, 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 right? And, and, then, and then all of a sudden, about right over here, this, this lady 
she, she stands up, she begins to move past all the knees, and she goes and she walks out to the aisle and she beelines it straight out the door and goes out. And I go, great, now the news is going to come out and say, false prophet teaching in San Diego. So I tried to muster myself back together. I, I went right back to preaching and preached and gave an altar call. People got saved and healed, and, and, and it was a powerful night. But that evening, I went home, and I thought to myself, man, God, what did I do? How did I miss it, God? I mean, did I hear from you? What, what's going on? And I go, God, if I, if I did anything wrong, I'm sorry. And, and, and I was in turmoil that whole night because I just I felt so bad that nothing happened. And so the next day comes, and I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant to even preach the next night. And so I'm sitting there, and, and worship is, is going, and, and, and this woman comes up to me, and she goes, Alan. And I go, yeah? And, and she says, hey, I, I, I just want to tell you what happened yesterday. She goes, I'm the one. I don't know if you, if you noticed me. Um, I, I apologize. In the middle of your message, I got up and I left. And I go, yeah, I noticed you. <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, yeah, I just... Spent like five hours of prayer that night thinking about that, <laughs> the trauma of it all. Um, and, and, and she goes, I, I went home and I want to introduce you to someone. And I go, th- she goes, this is my, my daughter. And I go, oh, well, hi, nice to meet you. And she goes, yes, you know, that night I was trying to get my daughter to come to the conference because, because I, heard, uh, I heard there was going to be an invitation to pray for people to be healed. And, and I wanted my daughter to come and we got into a fight and you know, she's 14, and I, I pushed as much as I could, and she wouldn't come, and, and so I left, and I came here, and all of a sudden, you started, you stopped the whole service, and you started talking about it, and nobody stood up, and, and I started shaking and trembling. I, I couldn't stop trembling, and she said, I, I got up, and I, I, I go, she goes, I left, I went home, and when I got home, my daughter said that her eyes were so on fire, and guess what? She can see. You know, the Bible says in Matthew 16, 19, I will give you the keys of the kingdom, the kingdom of God, God's rule and reign on a location. We know that God is the king of the universe. And when we worship, when we invite God into our life and into our presence, into our home and into our community, God's rule and power begins to manifest itself in very interesting and unique ways where the miraculous begins to take place. People become healed. Lives are touched and forever changed. Marriages are delivered. Kids are are free from addictions. And God begins to move as we invite God in. That's what the kingdom of God is about. And so this morning, I would like to share with you uh, four powerful principles that I believe that if you take these home with you, I, I encourage you to take notes. And uh, if you take these home and you write them down and, and, and you meditate on these, I believe God's going to open up some doors for you in your walk with Christ that are going to change your life. So I'm going to give you a little bit of context, but first turn to Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. If you, if you use your word, it is going to be up here in just a moment. Um, but in fact, let me just read it and then I'll give you some context. So Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. And I hope you don't mind if, uh, if uh, you know, I just, I really felt this weekend, I just wanted to kind of take it easy. Just kind of, I just wanted to just talk with you today. You know, just kind of imagine we're in, we're in the living room, God's living room, we're just hanging out and I'm just sharing a word with you this morning. And, uh, and so here it is. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. 
After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the water. You know, it's interesting to me because just before this event, the crowd that Jesus was dismissing was the crowd that came to be fed. Now, the Bible says that there were about 5,000 men. We know that, that there were probably more like 20,000 people when you count the women and children. And this incredible miracle happened. God had um, divinely um, blessed the bread and the fish, and it multiplied and fed everybody. And so Jesus says, listen, I want you disciples to get in a boat, and I want you to head across this 13-mile trek. 13 miles on a boat in a rowboat will take about four to five hours. I want you guys to head over. I'll meet you on the other side. I'll dismiss the crowd. I'm going to go up on this mountainside and pray. And so that's what happened. But it's interesting because that's really the first point that I want to leave you with is this, is T. I'm going to take that word take. Everybody say take courage. Take courage. That word take, T, is for talk with God. Notice it does not say talk to God. How many of you know that sometimes we get in a mode in our life where all we really do is talk to God, but we don't do a whole lot of listening? John preached a message last week, very powerful, about hearing the voice of God. And if we're his sheep, we hear the voice of God. But in order to do that, we have to talk. So we talk with God. You know, there's, there's an interchange going on here. How many of you know that with any kind of relationship, whether it's husband and wife, a parent and child, a friend, a friend, a boss, whatever kind of relationship, there is an interchange that takes place because that relationship is dynamic. It works together. And so that exchange of ideas takes place. Jesus regularly, as you know, as, you've went, as you read through the gospels, went and spent time with his father. And so my encouragement to you is to take time with God. Have an interchange of communication. Don't just talk to God. We Many times we're like driving, our, God, I need you to do this. And God, watch my kid. And God, take care of my husband. And God, do this. And, and take care of that. And, and, and God, help my boss. And help our finances. And God, we need to pay this bill. And God, we need to do this. And God, I want to do this. And we have this big, huge list. And throughout the day, it's almost as if, and, and I know we don't look at it like this, but it's almost like we create this magic genie in the sky if we just throw out our wishes and our every wish will then come true. And, and in reality, what God's looking for is a relationship. That's why I say talk with God, this interchange that's going on. The Father spent time with Jesus. And so here's the interesting thing. Because John says that the apostles, the book of John, telling the same story, says that these apostles only got about three miles in. But notice that it was in the late afternoon that Jesus dismissed the crowd and he goes up on the mountain to pray. He doesn't actually start walking on the water and go to them until early morning. So they should have long been on the other side by now, but they didn't make it. In fact, they didn't even make it halfway. They only made it three miles in, being buffeted by the wind and the waves. They were fighting with it constantly. But here's the most intriguing part of this whole story, because when you read the story in the book of Mark, you see that Jesus could see them the whole time. How many of you have gone through some waves? How many of you have gone through some difficult times and some struggles? And we all have faced challenges, right? We all go through some tough times. But sometimes it's not that God doesn't want to save and rescue us because he does, but sometimes there's a more important lesson for us to learn. 
You see, God's desire for us is that we go beyond being believers and that we become followers. And that a follower means that you do as Jesus did. In fact, it was just a few weeks earlier, as Jesus is watching this, he, and I can imagine him thinking this, well, hey, just a few weeks ago, I was in the boat sleeping. They freaked out because of a storm and got scared. They got so scared, they came down and bothered me in my sleep and woke me up. And I came out and I said, peace, and the storm stopped. What are they going to do? You know, the Bible clearly says about the kingdom that one day we're going to rule and reign with Jesus. Do you know that? How are you going to rule and reign if you don't know how to rule and reign? If you can't even calm a storm in your life or weather it, how are you going to do that? How many of you know that the challenge is, is, is the same challenge that we see here? Jesus is watching him and wondering and looking, how are they going to respond to this situation? Will they let it destroy them or will they rise up? Will they become overcomers? You know, the book of Revelation tells us that we will receive a crown, those who overcome. For those who overcome, they will receive a crown that they will be able to wear in heaven. Isn't that amazingly interesting? So we're to talk with God. You know, reality is there's two tracks going on here, two lessons. You see, there's the main populace of people, the large group that would come and they would hear Christ and he would teach and he would heal and things would go on and they would go on their way. But there was another track and there was a journey of those disciples. And sometimes he brought them and took them aside and he would teach them lessons that he wasn't teaching the larger populace of people. And sometimes he would even show his frustration with those disciples. Ah, unbelieving generation. What are you doing? Come on. Why did you doubt? Why did you lack faith? And he would move them forward. Why? He needed them to move forward because in the short three years that he was to spend with them, he was going to be gone and he needed them to carry the responsibility of launching and birthing the church that would change the world. What is God birthing in you? What is he raising you up for? What is he preparing you for? You say, God, bless me, bless me, bless me. God, I want this. I want more in my business. I want more business. I want to grow my business. I want my family to be blessed. But yet we're so unwilling to go through the lessons that prepare us to receive more. You know, the Bible continues and it says this in verse 26. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. Can you say terrified? terrified. It's a ghost, they said. I just scared a few of you. <laughs> I saw you. <laughs> and they cried in fear. Now, I want to talk about fear and how negativity plays a part in that fear. You know, it's interesting. Um, I was reading an article um, out of Psychology Today that did, um, that was referencing a bunch of research papers. Um, people were connected to EEG machines. Those are the things that you put the probes all over your face and it, it monitors the electric impulses of your thoughts because each thought is an electric impulse that shoots through your body. And so it's monitoring these. And so they, out of all these studies, they determined that out of the 12,000 to 60,000 thoughts that we have in a day, 70 to 80% of them are negative. Interesting, huh? And out of all those 12 to 60,000 th uh, thoughts, I thought this was kind of interesting. 98% of them are the same thoughts we thought yesterday. Well, we sure are preoccupied with negative thinking, aren't we? 
You know, it's interesting because negativity conjures up this facade of a wall that paralyzes us from reaching our purpose and our destiny in our life. And we've got to be able to break past that. That's why we have to take courage. In order to take that courage, we've got to talk with God. And so it's interesting because they were so scared that they cried out. And it's interesting, a famous neurosurgeon went and visited one of the largest churches in the world to see what makes that church tick. I don't know if you know where the largest church in the world is. It's in South Korea, and on any given Sunday, they have 830,000 people attend. That's a pretty big church, isn't it? And so this neurosurgeon goes up to the pastor and gets a, gets a, a conversation with him and says, you know, you Christians, you, you are interesting, you preachers, you are interesting people. You know, all that, all that good news stuff that you keep talking about, it, it changes the thought process of people's minds. And, and he says, you know, it's interesting, in all my years of research and study, I've noticed neurosurgery, in case you don't know what that is, or neurological issues are, are issues of the brain. Um, he goes, in all those years of study, we have recognized that the impulses or the thoughts that shoot electrical impulses throughout your body, they start in your brain as a thought. Whenever you think a specific thought, it shoots that thought or that energy throughout your whole body. So when a person says, ah, I'm tired, that thought as an electric impulse shoots through your nervous system, hits your whole body, and your whole body responds, ah, I'm tired. You really are. We really are controlled by our thoughts. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 8 and 9, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And I love this promise. And the God, at the end of the next verse, that the God of peace will be with you. I just want you to receive his peace right now. Maybe you've been struggling and you've been going through some difficulties right now. Just, just right now, literally, receive his peace. All that stuff, just let it fall off right now. For some of you, it's dropping off. Last service, a man came up to me with tears in his eyes and said, God freed me. I poured peace all over me when you said that. That's what God wants for you. He wants the peace of God. You know, after I had read those statistics, I went and I took a couple of days and I decided, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do some research of my own. I'm going to sit and I'm going to listen to my own thoughts. I'm going to listen to the words that come out of my mouth. And so I begin to notice, wow, there really are a lot of negative thoughts rolling around in there. And, uh, you know, I don't know if I have quite 12,000, but uh, I have a few, four or five at least. No. And, and so... I went to a public place, and I recommend try this sometime, whether it's a restaurant or uh, even a, uh, an airport. That's always great. And you notice that people whine, complain, and murmur, and gossip about everything, from their spouse to their child to their school, about their work. They, they talk negatively about the weather, about the pen that doesn't fit right in their hand, the seat that they can't sit in properly and they got to move around and squimmage. They think about so many, the weather's not good, the temperature, who sets it in this room? What is wrong with these lights? There's just negativity coming from everybody in so many different ways. And yet God is calling us to something bigger and higher. And you see, negativity trapped them. They had learned a lesson, but yet it didn't even, they couldn't move forward because they're still thinking negative. 
God needs them to move by faith into the faith zone, into what God has destined for them. And so listen to this passage, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. The tongue has the power of life and death. Wow. Just to meditate on that passage for a few days would blow your mind. And those who love it will eat its fruit. How many of you ever had a boss who came to you and said, hey, uh, when the weekend's over, or give you a call or shoot you a text, hey, I, I, come into my office, I want to talk to you. And all of a sudden, the rest of that whole weekend is ruined. You're up all night, every night. What do they want to talk to me about? Oh, am I going to be fired? Oh, I know it. Oh, I did that stupid copy machine wrong, and now I'm gone, or I, I didn't do this thing right, and now, now, oh, what is going to happen? And, you th- and the whole weekend, you're just trying to have a good time with your spouse, and all you think about is what's coming, and that Monday arrives when you have to go to that boss's office, and you stay up all late at night. Anybody ever kept up late at night because of negative thoughts rolling around in your mind? And how many of you faced that circumstance, whatever it may be, or that situation, and it ended up being nothing? And you wasted days of worry when Jesus explicitly said in a command form, do not worry. We do that, right? And all of a sudden, you go in there before the boss, and you get into your office, and you're sitting there, okay, what's going to happen? This is Monday. Is this the day? Maybe I should start packing my stuff, and I don't know what to do. And a boss says, hey, walks by, hey, would you come in and see me for a minute? And and you're like, oh, okay, here it comes. I'm going in. I sit down, and you're waiting, and, and, and you're wondering what's going on. And your boss sits there and looks at it and goes, I just want to tell you I've been look, watching you, and you're doing a great job. You're like, ha. Ah. And, and here, here's a gift card. Go out to lunch. It's on me. <laughs> Anybody been there? Negative thinking, right? But here's the thing. Watch what happens in verse 28. Lord, if it's you, oh, actually, I'm getting ahead of myself. Sorry about that. Look at what he says in verse 27. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Take courage, would you say that with me? Take courage, take courage, take it. You have to grab a hold of it and you have to take it. The responsibility of taking courage is not Jesus giving it, it's the disciples doing what? Taking it, you have to take courage. Well, how many of you know if there weren't problems in life or situations where there was fear involved, you would not need courage. But throughout scripture, God tells us constantly, take courage. He tells Moses, be strong and courageous for which he passed that promise on into Joshua and into Joseph eventually. Courage, the ability to act in the midst of fear or pain, to stand up against that impossible situation, even when you are trembling in terror and say, no. When the enemy comes against your children and you say, no. When the devil tries to destroy your marriage and you say, no, it's not happening in the name of Jesus. Because you begin to walk as a child of the living God, walking as one who will one day rule and reign, who worships God, who walks in this kingdom that is here and now, that the Bible says is advancing all over the planet. And with that comes kingdom power and principles found in his word for which we could live out in our everyday life. Come on, give the Lord praise. about being brave and fearless. Take courage, tharaseo in the Greek. Be of good cheer, be cheerful, courageous, confident 
Implicit in this command or imperative is the idea that fear can be replaced with courage. What negative thoughts have you been having that need to be replaced with courage? You know, it's interesting because this next portion of this scripture says, it is I, verse 27. It is I. In the Greek, it's intriguing because it means this. I am, ego emi, I am. You know, Moses experienced this when he was on Mount Sinai and he said, God, I'm, I'm willing to lead your people. I'll go down there. I'll tell them what you want me to tell them. But who should I say is sending them? Who should I say is telling them? What, what's your name, God? What do I tell them? And God just says, I am. It also intrigues me in John chapter 18. You want to write that down and read it sometime. Verse 4 through 6, Jesus is in the garden and he's been praying and soldiers begin to march up and they come after him to arrest him. And when they get up there, they look up there and they go, are you this, this, this Jesus that people are talking about who's supposed to be some Messiah and king? And Jesus goes like this. I am. And the soldiers under the power of God, every single one of them fall down. But you know, there are seven other times in Scripture in the New Testament where Jesus says, I am the I am, and he gives a promise attached to that. You see, we must walk in those promises. I'm going to roll them up here real quick. I'm going to burn through them fast, so just try to keep up. You can go ahead and write them down as fast as you can. John chapter 6, verse 35, then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Contentment. John eleven twenty five. 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live life and hope. John 14, 6, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me me. There's access to the king, the creator of the universe, and the kingdom that he has established here on earth. John 8, 12, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You have favor. John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep protection. John 15, 5, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit purpose. John chapter 10, verse 9, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture, rest. Wow, isn't that good? Verse 28, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said, then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. The second point of take courage is act. Act on what God says. Would you say act? This is important. Now, I, I want you just to, to kind of get a, an understanding. When, when, when I'm out there and I'm talking and I'm sharing with people, sometimes people who, who are trying to discover if there is a God or want to know if there's a God hasn't quite crossed that, 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 that line yet to say, okay, I believe in God. Many times they'll ask me this question. They'll say, well, you know, if there's a God, how come God didn't just tell us how he made everything? Why does he just give you like two chapters in the book called Genesis? And I said, I usually say this, I go, it's a good question. 
You know, first, if God were to, back then in Moses' time, write the equation down for us so that we can understand how he did it, first of all, the equation would be so big, no library could contain it. Secondly, our scientists even today still wouldn't be able to comprehend it, so it'd be nothing but jibber-jabber. So instead, God simply said this, let there be light. He spoke, and the heavens and earth existed. Sometimes they say, well, don't you think he took stuff and made it? How come he didn't just take stuff and make it? Because he doesn't have to. Jesus spoke and he said one word, one word to Peter. And Peter put his faith in the word that Jesus spoke and he acted. And he took that next step, which is usually the most challenging step in our lives. He stepped out onto the water, even though the wind was blowing. And the waves were, the waves hadn't even stopped yet. And he felt and it was strong. And he, he was looking out at Jesus. And he put out on the water and he began to walk. And maybe a little bit farther than I can go. <laughs> and you know the story as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus, he was okay. But then he began, to, he began to look down and he began to, to, to stumble and fell. And you remember the story when, um, when Joshua and Caleb, they were told by Moses, hey, God has given us this promised land, this land flowing with milk and honey. Go, go. I want you to spy it out. Take these people. Go spy out the land and bring back a report. And so they go there. They see the land. They see the beauty. They see that it is truly flowing with milk and honey. It's a place of promise and of God's blessing for his people, exactly what God wants for us, except they got there and they saw these big giants. And when they came back to give a report to Moses, Joshua and Caleb said, yeah, there are giants in the land, but didn't God tell us he was going to give us the land? But the other people, the other 10 that went with them, because there were 12 that went out to spy out this land, they gave such a negative report that the entire people of God missed out for 40 years of entering the promised land. And what God has destined for him. God has a plan and a destiny for you. God has a purpose for you, your business, your home, your family, your marriage, your children. Will you miss it or will you act? You see, that's the one key component that many times we're missing. We hear the word of God. 17 different ways, as Pastor John talked about last week to hear God's word, but we forget to act. You see, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is when you become and you transition from believer to follower. There's a difference. There's a difference. And so we have to act, ladies and gentlemen. The Bible says in James chapter 1, verse 22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do what it says. Do what it says. Notice what verse 30 of Matthew chapter 14 says. But when he saw the wind... He was afraid. He's already on the water. And beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. 
you have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. In fact, John, they immediately were at the other end of the shore. But K is this. Know who he really is. See, the whole purpose of these stories and what was going on because the apostles were going to carry the birth of the church into the future was that he needed them to know who he was before he left. There had to be that revelation. That's why Jesus sat there and he asked the disciples, who do the people say I am? And some of the disciples said, well, some say you're a prophet. Some say you're a teacher. Peter, who do you say I am? Well, you're the Christ, the son of the living God upon this rock. Upon that revelation that you have, I'm going to build this future. But you see, the rubber really meets the road in our everyday living. We come here, we hear a message, we hear God speak to us, and then we hope and we pray something happens when reality is God is waiting for you to take the next move. Ball's in your court. Know who he really is. Verse 33, then those who were in the boat worshiped him. Wow, they began to worship Jesus. Truly, you are the son of God. When they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret. And when the men of the place recognized Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country. People brought all their sick to him and begged him to let the sick touch the edge of his cloak. And all who touched it were healed. Expect God to move and be there. You're on this journey. There's going to be bumps. There's going to be difficulties. God's desire is that you go from believer to follower. He would rather you try and fail than to not try at all. So try. And guess what? When you cry out to Lord, he said the word Lord because he knew who Jesus was. He wasn't just a man. And Jesus reached down and he pulled him up out of that water. Come on, church. Give God praise. As you try to serve him, he's going to rescue you because you're growing in your faith. You know, I have a father-in-law. My father-in-law, one day, he was so busy planting an orphanage in Mexico. Now there's one in Nicaragua and Romania and all these other places. But God was pouring out so much favor during this time. He had 23 churches, and he was picking up groups to come down and visit. And he was working on this building project. And he was trying to build this Christian school that was getting ready to launch in just a few days. And he had to oversee the finances and the orphanage kids. So much was going on. He says, during this time in his life, he was working about 18 to 19 hours a day, seven days a week as a missionary, just trying to make it all happen. And he launched and took the subscriptions of all the kids who want to attend the school. Over 400 kids signed up for the first free Christian school in the nation of Mexico. And then all of a sudden it dawned on him, I forgot to raise any money for teachers. And so he went home. And he cried out to God. He said, God, I'm sorry, I, I forgot. I repent. What do I do, God? How do I make this right? What do I, I, school's supposed to start in just a few short days. I have nothing. And God said this, I want you to call Pat Robertson. He said, God, I don't even know Pat Robertson. Now, I want you to call him. You know, he's 700 Club, News Channel, Christian News Channel, pretty big if you don't know who he is. And so, he gets up the next morning, fine, I'll call Pat Robertson. So he calls up 700 Club and he goes, yes, uh, so um, yeah, I would like to talk to Pat Robertson. And the lady goes, um, okay, well, sir, um, does, what's this about? Does he know you're calling? Uh, no. Does he know you? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> 
Weirdo. Um, okay, so, so you want to talk to Pat Robertson. All, all right. Um, well, how about this? Just tell me what it's about, and um, I'll, I'll give him the information. And hey, by the way, you know, don't call us. We'll call you. Okay, so he gave him the information and, and hung up the phone, and that was it. And he's like, okay, well, now what do I do? For the next year, every month, a check for $10,000 came in, and they never even talked. Pat Robertson sent a check. Another man by the name of Jim. Jim was getting ready to buy land, and I'm going to close with this story. He was getting ready to buy land, and it was going to be their dream land, kind of like far and away, husband and wife getting their dream land. They're going to build their dream house on it. And, uh, and he said, honey, but here's one problem. Her name was Joyce, and he said, um, we can do this. We could buy this land, build this house, but we're going to have to start, stop giving to church, and we're going to have to stop giving to you know, any building fund and that kind of stuff. And she stopped, and she said, no, then I don't want my dream home. And you know, he was an entrepreneur. He had launched a business, and he says to this day that it was that moment that his business went from doing hundreds of thousands when they gave up their dream home to doing multi-millions because they put God first. At the end of the day, at the end of my life, I don't want to look back and go, I had a car and I made some payments. I had a house and I made some payments. Sent my kids to school. All those things are good. But at the end of the day, we have an opportunity to leave a legacy, to expand this. After all for the one, we're going to expand this building and where thousands can come and give their life to Jesus and be eternally changed forever. You and I, we get the opportunity to leave that legacy here on this earth. So next week, John talked about hearing. I talked about acting. Next week, will you be the one that transitions from believer to follower. Will you take courage? Will you hear from God and simply obey on what God asks you to do when he asks to give towards this building fund to reach our city? Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for this time. God, you are amazing. Lord, we love you. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said,